Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Atomic Weight of Cheese with your hosts, Mike Bakovin, Chad Planbeck, and Stephanie Romanski. His mom bought him the Chipmunks Christmas album. Oh, yes. And then it got played on slow speed, and it sounded like a couple regular people being harassed by Satan. Because <laughs> it got played at like a slow speed, so yep. the, the chipmunks are sped up, so it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very good. That was kind of the opposite. <laughs> I think I had a couple of chipmunk albums as a kid, and instead of slowing it down, I always sped it up more. <laughs> because we love this! So yeah. they, were, they were intelligible, but it was hysterical. And then Dave would come on, and Dave would sound like a chipmunk, and the chipmunk would sound like I don't know what. But it's like, Chip- it's like oh, chipmunks on cocaine. I know, and it's like it, it just—it's—it always amazes me at what makes me laugh. But it's like that would have me on the floor gasping for air because there's something wrong with me. <laughs> I, and how did he, he went into a laughing fit, Mister Plumback? What happened? And then he had a seizure. And then it was over. Yeah. Yep. So. I don't know. If I die laughing, I could think of worse ways okay, to but go. But he died happy, laughing at the chipmunks at 72 speed. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Atomic Rated Tease, <laughs> where real life is cult cinema. Cult cinema is frequently real life. I'm Mike. And Steph. What? Uh, you're right. <laughs> so, Steph, I understand, by way of complete and total uh, uh, cold jumping into a topic, that you have a new hobby that you've been just... Uh, Judge by, judging by social media, you've just been really diving into. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, I have learned how to flip and upcycle furniture. Or okay. I'm learning to, I should say. Upcycle? What's that mean? It means when you take uh, something that's either something you have in your house that needs updating or you want to make it look better or you want to change how it looks or just upgrade it is basically what you're doing. Like a footstool or a chair or table or something or a picture frame. Um, cool. How do, I, you, how do you do that? I guess. <laughs> um, well, what started as me needing just, um, a tape measure ended up with me now owning an orbital sander, um, <laughs> a bunch of paint, some varnish, just a bunch of paint brushes, <laughs> um, paint rollers. Um, my Reddit secret Santa gave me nothing but, uh, paint stuff <laughs> and, um, you know, like blue tape and all that. Um, well, yeah, my favorite purchase so far is the orbital sander. Oh, and the staple gun. <laughs> and the staple gun. <laughs> staple gun. Um, I out here it's um in Massachusetts, it's kind of, you know, antique central out here. People come up here to go look for old furniture, that sort of thing. And I started watching some YouTube videos called Thrift Diving. And this lady takes like dressers, coffee tables, chairs, and um, fixes them with things like um, wood putty, wood filler, that sort of thing, sands them, and then stains them or paints them and just basically makes them look better. Um, and it's actually something that I have found that I like. It takes my mind off my stresses. Okay. <laughs> and um, it's something if, if, if I had a better place to work other than a, an apartment, <laughs> I could maybe turn it into a little side hustle. Yeah. Um, um, so far we've done a footstool. We reupholstered it and painted it and fixed the holes and chips in it. And I've done um, a little organizer box and uh, an end table, fix the color of it. And then, Oh, and my first, 
big thing I did was a, a, a side table that I found at a store called Savers, which is like a thrift store, cool. but it looks like a, it looks like um, Burlington or Home Goods or something like that. But you know they have a lot of stuff that people have donated, and then they sell it. And the stand I found was like seven bucks, and I fixed it, fixed the holes in it, chipped the chips and things like that, sanded it down, stained the top of it, and then I painted the drawer and the sides and everything a cool kind of pinkish red color and it, it and it turned out really beautiful and um I did that with another table too that I made a blue color and I don't know anyway I I really really love it but I really really need um some kind of workshop okay. I have some paint and varnish on my carpet already oh, so. No. So, so this is all basically self-taught then yes YouTube videos okay. and Google a lot of googling okay. um because I don't know anybody here okay. really well, yet Except, yeah, I've always admired people who can kind of pull that stuff off because, like, I can slap and dash things together, you know, like making shelves, mm-hmm. like slapping some wood together. You know, I can I can accomplish that, but anything more complicated than that is like, forget it. I mean, did you take shop? I no. did. I did not do very well. Same. <laughs> and it's just, you know, I had a, my shop teacher missing fingers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Can you be a shop teacher and not be missing right. fingers? I mean, it's, it's just one of these things. It's like you just realize that, like, okay, this is a, It's like one, I don't have the patience for it, and two, it's just not. You don't have any aptitude for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and a lot of that has to do because you don't have patience for it. It's like you got to let this dry. And it's like, no, no, I want to keep working. On I, it. I've come up with an overarching theory as to why I'm not very handy, and that's just because I don't have the tools. Okay. If you have the tools, you're hand- that's what I tell myself to make myself feel better. Where it's like, no, I don't want to put in a new sink at my house. I want to hire someone to do it because I just don't have the tools. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's, uh, he said, yeah, lack of patience, uh, general incompetence, and just an overall desire to leave it to the professionals. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have that problem. I I have a real lack of patience because I hate waiting for paint to dry and all right. that stuff. But um, what I've learned so far is that it helps me focus, really. Oh, and right. I feel like I've found a creative outlet, which yeah. I was desperately needing because I've been unable to write for years now. So I I feel like maybe that part of me is now coming out in this um artsy way still but with furniture <laughs> so there's almost a meditative state to it it is yeah it's That's it's zen. nice and um it's and zen um, with, the, with the with the with the yeah and then you get cool before and after pictures and it looks great and then you have the sense of accomplishment like sure. holy shit i can't believe that i did that you know and yeah. um uh and and now i have a lot of furniture in my house not a lot but some furniture in my house that i'm quite proud of you know other than my furniture is usually piecemeal stuff i've picked up over the years here and there at you know ashley furniture or some shit like that but i've also got cheap flat pack bookcases that i've upgraded and painted and stuff and i really 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 enjoy this like i would really like to go take a class on woodworking carving carpentry that sort of thing because i i think it would be something that like a complete career change for me yeah <laughs> so working with my hands and do it if you can really like it yeah but i don't know how to find a like a workshop area or garage or something i can work out of it's where i can you know running an orbital sander in your living room is not a good idea no. <laughs> you know no. 
No, Go out into the woods. Everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you might be able I to do have it. woods around it, yeah, but no plug. <laughs> yeah. Oh, duh. Yeah. Get yourself an extension cord. You got to get yourself an yeah, extension yeah. cord. Yeah. 300 yeah. feet. I just but, don't yeah. have a tool. <laughs> I'm acquiring the tools, though. <laughs> Between the three of us, we could barely get a hot water heater lit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I didn't need that eyebrow. <laughs> It's fine. It's grown back. <laughs> How many people does it take to light a hot water heater? Three, <laughs> apparently. One to stand in the back and take pictures and laugh at you too. Boom. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna. We're yeah, gonna... when it finally went, it finally went. <laughs> so we're gonna tie this into. So we're gonna take. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's good. So we're going to take your new interest, which by the way, I almost want to say congratulations because when you find something like that, that you can do and that you can have a tangible result of, isn't that just a great feeling? It really is. It really is. Yeah. I just like look at my stuff that I've made so far and I'm like, (sighs) I did that. So we're going to kind of roll on this podcast with the vague theme of uh, reconstruction or uh, uh, restoration. restoration. Yeah. Taking something old and making it new, kind of going from there and and our favorite movies that kind of deal with that theme a little bit or movies that we we admire or however that works. So I figure we'll go around the horn maybe twice and just kind of see what jumped out when we talk about the word restoration. We can pull out of our hinders. It'll be great. Hey, there you go. (laughs) So why don't you go first, Chad? Oh, okay. I'll see. Restoration. Okay. Uh, Ew. <laughs> where's the noise? Anyway. Um, <laughs> but I'm just... uh, okay. My first pick is uh, Summer Hours. Oh, okay. yeah. The Mark Harmon movie. No, no. This is different. That's oh, different. your thing of Summer School. Summer, uh, school. summer Hours. This is uh, it's a French film. And it's about uh, a multi-generational family. And uh, they got a crazy uncle who was like a famous artist and his house is full of all kinds of art from all over the, you know, from all, from certain ages and stuff. And it's priceless. And the problem is the, the matriarch of the family passes on. So it falls to their four children who are kind of spread to the winds. And what do we do with all this stuff? Okay. We can't afford the taxes to keep it. You know, one person and it's like, and they all kind of need some money. And so it's just kind of one of these things like, the, it's like the possessions and everything and then like what and the detritus everyone kind of leaves behind you huh. know and it's like what do you what do you do with it you know i feel sorry for my family and coming into this menagerie and it's like mm-hmm. what do we do with all this junk you know and so and and the end of it is you know they kind of have to go through and they kind of have to they wind up cleaning the house out and it was like this wonderful lived in villa in the country and basically it all got moved into like all these sterilized museums. And so you can't touch it anymore. You can't live with it anymore. You can't really enjoy it except from afar. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's this whole thing. And it's just, it's a wonderful film and I highly recommend it. Love where, it. Where, where did you come across it? Uh, it's what it's, uh, are you filming with trailers from hell? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, I think this was an Alan Arkish one and he was talking and he, and he did the trailer for it. And it's like, ooh, that looks very interesting. And I found it on the Criterion channel. And I watched it. And it's like, I don't know, it's it's, it's pretty long, but it's like a quick, it's one of those quick two and a half hour films. Yeah. And um, I was engrossed and just loved it. And again, too, and it's just like, there's some, it's like, it's simple on the surface. But like I said, then you get into the deeper meaning of the whole thing. Like I said, just, it's, it's like I said, it's like, how should art be enjoyed? Or how, how should these things be enjoyed? 
Should they be enjoyed at arm's length, mm -hmm. or should they be immersive? Should you be able should, to should, sit, in be chair, sit, yeah. sit in the chair, and or is this chair going to be put on a pedestal, never to be sat in again? You know that kind of thing. So it's just like I said, it's just this entire house full of invaluable things, and it's like, what do you, what do you? And it's like, and again, it's just like when people pass on, you know, what do you do with all their stuff? That's really interesting. So yeah, it's really good. Huh. Yeah, we're, and it's called Summer Hours. Summer Hours, yep. Okay. The director was Olivier Assayas. <laughs> Look at that. Bongiorno. Assayas. <laughs> well, it's A-S-S-A-Y-A-S. How do you pronounce that? Assayas. <laughs> what a beautiful, subtle say, film. Assayas. Say in yeah. French. With a lousy French accent. Assayas. Assayas. Yeah, just drop all the consonants. Okay. And there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah, it works out great. Seriously, that sounds like a lovely movie is, about a, complex is, and adult themes. And it's it's pretty recent. You know, I would say it's no less than 10 years old. And like I said, it's really good. Cool. Highly recommended. Awesome. All right, Steph, do you have any that speak to you on the topic? Uh, <laughs> oh, this one's kind of like a, it's, it's a bit of a reach, but I'm going to say no, it's Karate Kid. Huh. <laughs> Where uh, Daniel has to pretty much remodel uh, oh, Miyagi's no, house. The house and the car. That car was like really the, symbolic, right? That the car, the wax on, wax off, and but the I'm thinking about the backyard that he did fence. too, <clears throat> the fence yeah, and the yeah. patio or the um, winding sidewalk in the Asian garden and stuff. They had to sand it and then paint it and all that stuff. And 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 so that he had to restore Miyagi's house, but in in doing so, he learned a little life lesson. That's very true. He also learned some karate. Are, are, you, <laughs> are you guys Cobra Kai fans? Have That's you watched the other one that I haven't gone to? I heard it's really good. It it is. Second season is out, and I'm about halfway through it right now. But in the first season, that car plays a, a pivotal role in like three episodes. The car oh. that uh, Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi's car. Yeah, okay. Mr. Miyagi's car that Daniel he still had, and of course it was in mothballs. And as he like starts getting back into karate and feuding with Johnny, he pulls it back out and restores it again. And then Cobra Kai comes over and destroys it. Oh, Some no. of the kids oh. this whole big thing. So yeah, it's uh it was an interesting thing because it starts off as like this kind of hyper character drama but because Johnny is still Johnny even though he's in his 50s you know yeah. and and then at the end it was like full on kung fu madness okay. which is uh, like the high schools break out in giant kung fu wars and it's like so great like Miami <laughs> connection okay yeah sure. yeah it's, it's, it, gets, <laughs> it gets real stupid toward the end but that, that's what i thought of when you said that restoration because it comes back to play in in that series so cool, cool. well i'm going to jump into uh a movie from the 90s that I thought was just super solid and has long since been forgotten. And it it's probably my favorite Pierce Brosnan performance, if you don't count uh, the ironic love that I have for his performance in Mamma Mia, where he's kind of singing, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing something. It ain't singing. But um, it's Caucasian scat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, Thomas Crown Affair. The the oh, uh, which of course is a remake of a very good uh, Steve, McQueen, uh, Steve yeah. McQueen movie. Uh, Faye Dunaway. Yeah, Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway. And I hate to say this, but I almost preferred the uh, Pierce Brosnan Rene Russo one because a it's it's uh, 
has to do with art, right? Because they're they're stealing paintings and, and you know, it's an art heist movie, but they do spend some time to pay attention to the art a little bit, which I think is very good. And it's not necessarily restoration, but taking pieces of art, like a, a actual, you know, a, a paintings on a wall and then stealing them for private collectors versus having them, you know, out in, in a museum. So you've got that same sort of dynamic. And the other thing is it's the last Hollywood, one of the last Hollywood movies I could think of that was just out and out hot. Like, you know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. they, they, they have a flirtation. The flirtation gets really uh, amped up. Uh, there's a, a sex scene that, that is like shockingly adult by, you know, today's uh, major movie standards. Yeah, I mean, that was like the, the, the topic du jour on film Twitter there for a while is yeah. how movies are so chaste and sterile now. And it's mm -hmm. like, there's no mm -hmm. sex in any of them. Yeah. And this was, you know, Two adults, it's like, it's got that kind of danger element too. You know, you're playing with that thing, yeah. which I can take or leave. But man, there's there's some decent stuff in there. So, yeah. and, and it's one of those movies that gets I, forgotten. You know, I don't, I haven't seen that one, but I saw the original. And the original, there's scenes of the, this, I'm laughing inappropriately at some things. Because yeah. there's like, there's like the famous scene where they're sort of staring at each other and they're playing footsie with their, with their mm -hmm. utensils. And it's like, I don't know, I, I bust out laughing every time yeah. I see that. And I don't know why. Again, I have problems. Yeah. No, but this, this one, really, yeah. <laughs> This this was Renee Russo and like at the height of her Renee Russo ness. Oh my and, god! Yes. And, uh, you know Pierce Brosnan is of course you know he was James Bond, but I never really enjoyed his Bond stuff all that much. You know it was uh, with the uh, exception of yeah, with the exception of Goldeneye, it was a little goofy. But there's there's a scene set to music where it's like they're they're dancing and she's basically in a see through dress and it keeps intercutting with scenes of them actually uh, getting together in his mansion and it just like her you know it's <laughs> like they're they're it. It really worked. So, uh, Thomas Crown Affair was what I was going to jump to when you mentioned that, and yeah. I thought, you know, if you haven't seen the that one, give it a shot. I think McTiernan might have directed it. That so, sounds right. Yeah, so it's got a little bit of heft to it, and, and uh, before he became inmate seven eight nine six two two, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, it's a it's pretty decent little movie. So, on a, a side note, since I mentioned McTiernan, uh, I'm currently with my family putting together a uh, puzzle of the movie Die Hard rendered in norman jewison norman jewison yeah because we have uh, he did the original now. one yeah <laughs> i'm putting together a puzzle that mondo put out of okay. the movie die hard but it's rendered ba basically in uh uh play play school little people characters so it's like these cute little giant heads but they're doing terrible things like mm -hmm. you know yeah. it, it, throughout the building it's it's really cute i'll post a picture was the done. was the remake you were he absolutely was the correct cool. you're absolutely okay, correct cool all right, let's do one more time around the horn for restoration. Chad, what else jumped to mind when we mentioned that topic? Review Steph? Oh, we did Steph. Okay, yeah, we, we did do Steph. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, Poltergeist. Ooh, nice one. <laughs> yeah. <It's>, <laughs> Man, uh, the, the restoration from hell. It's a, it's a home improvement. <laughs> uh, oh, that goes badly. Uh, digging a swimming pool. <laughs> and uh, they only move the headstones. And everything kind of goes south from there. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I watched that. I guess it's been a little while ago, but it had been a while since I'd seen Between. I think it holds up. And they, the effects hold up remarkably well. And uh, and the, yeah, the family dynamic is really good. But it's just one of those things at the end of the day, after all that crap, why are they spending the night in the house? You know, for the climax. Why are they in the house? It's like, or, and put your kids back in that room. Mm -hmm. Why? What are you doing? <laughs> what? I know it's like you got to make the movie work, but that's like it's like trying to reclaim it. Like I think it was like because uh, 
uh, as a little Zelda Rubenstein, this house is yeah. clean, you yeah. know, and, yeah. but still, I don't care. It's like, let's go to the Holiday Inn until we get everything moved out. Because again, it's like, why the hell would you ever do that? Mm-hmm. And so then, of course, the restoration, you know, the, the whole thing, and they all get sucked into the netherworld. So, you know, bye house. Yeah. I was going to do Poltergeist or I was going to do, was it Session 9? Yeah, Session where, 9, I really like. Where they're they're cleaning out the asbestos out of the, out of the was it? The insane insane asylum. asylum. And then, yeah, that's a... And it goes poorly. Yes. That also goes poorly. You know, that is... guy. You know, I always kind of go back to, it's like, because he's a giant joke now. But who was the lead guy from CSI Miami? Why can't I think of his name right now? Oh, David um... Caruso. Caruso, Caruso yeah. correct. It's like he had two movies <clears throat> that I kind of enjoyed. You know, it's like one of them was Session Nine, and yeah. the other one was this kind of overwrought late '90s Tarantino ripoff called Kiss of Death that had uh, him and Sam Jackson and Nicolas Cage as a bodybuilder mobster son idiot bodybuilder mobster son and it's like oh, it i've seen that he's yeah, kind of a meathead in it yeah it had its moments okay and it's like uh i i kind of liked parts of it and okay. he wasn't so bad in it and then of course he became all you know whip off the sunglasses yeah you know that kind of thing <laughs> but um yeah he, he had a, a a moment there where he could have been something and he and he blew it he blew it so anyway <laughs> poltergeist yeah i i um you know, you have those moments in life where it's like, this is why I'm here. And I was at a, uh, I was at work not all that long ago and we we're in the middle of a, of doing something where everyone's moving around, working on stuff. And someone mentions Poltergeist for some reason. And someone goes, was that a Spielberg movie? And I went, um, let me, let me tell you. Yes. This is why I yeah. am here. <clears throat> and to me, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of the things like missing from a lot of like modern horror movies, that movie, there is a sense of whimsy. Before, oh, totally. you, before yeah. things just escalate into the guy's face melting off in the in the bath. Of course, to me, like that's the only effect that doesn't hold up. Yeah, you know, I know. It, it, it's it, kind it, of when, 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 yeah. when I was a kid, I could barely watch it. You know, when you try to watch it now, and it's like, oh. And so I remember too. It's like I had a friend who showed it to his kid, and the kid was kind of young, and the kid wasn't quite ready for it, and that yeah. scene really flipped him out. So I I like texted him a picture where it's like actually Spielberg's hands. So it's yep. Spielberg underneath, yep. underneath everything. Just like show them how it's done. And like, I did the trick. Yeah. And so it's totally. like, okay, so thank God. And you've got to diffuse that or whatever. Yeah. But technically yeah. Spielberg did not direct Poltergeist. He, well, he, 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 he directed yeah. Poltergeist. That's a long story for another day. Yep. <laughs> yep. We could, we could do a whole podcast episode on yep. that. If we yep. wanted yep. to. So. We always say that, and then we never do. Somebody yeah. write that down. Dark Times of guys to Gremlins, and it's like there's a line anyway. Yeah, <laughs> cool. All right, Steph, would you have uh, another one? We're going around the horn again. Yes, I have two actually. Yay! Um, I would like to talk about restoring faith in humanity. Maybe right. like, and the first one that jumped out at me was uh, Dead Poet Society. Oh, sure. interesting. Interesting. It's, it's it's I a like feel good you... movie, yeah. <laughs> but at the end of it, when they're all "Oh, Captain, my Captain," it just makes you go, "Oh, mm-hmm. that's amazing." Yeah, that, that it's, movie... it's a moving moment, and 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 the build up to that moment with with the astonishing Robin Williams and everyone in that movie from you know the I don't should I spoil it the suicide yeah, scene. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and, and the, it's just such a very well-made movie, and um, so, but by the end of it, you feel really good and hopeful. I think um, the thing that always struck me about that movie 
is it's overwrought in a way that being young feels like. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you, yeah. it, it's like, if you watch it as an adult, you'd be like, oh yeah, that, you know, I, I can't have that guy teaching kids, you know, or whatever else. Yeah. But like, it's, it's melodramatic in a way that being young feels melodramatic. I think like, you can't tell me what to do. Dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the emotions are high because that's when emotions are high. And like the whole thing is, is kind of like uh, the outsiders too. The outsiders sure. does that, you know, it's mm-hmm. overwrought in a specific way. Yeah. One scene I always remember from that movie that I always loved is um, the one kid gets the gift, the death set again. And it's like, this death set needs to fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that was cool. That's cool. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And then the other uh, thing that restored my faith in humanity was watching Amanda Gorman read her poem on huh. Inauguration Day. Oh, yeah. was incredibly moving. And I feel like she deserves a mention. Uh, yeah. um, restoring things. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. That was incredible. Yep. What a poised young woman. <laughs> oh my God. The whole presentation. I would be it. shitting my pants. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you want me to talk about race in front of the new president? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, my last one, if we're, we're almost done around the horn, is I want to talk about a uh, a very serious piece of art that a very serious collector or a, a, a museum professional spent a lot of time on just really, really getting into the fine details only to have that piece of art open up a portal to the nether region and suck her child through it. And only person who can save them is Dr. Peter Venkman. <laughs> you know, Ghostbusters you know, too. He is Vigo. <laughs> he is Vigo. <laughs> I thought about that one. And you know what? I don't hate Ghostbusters 2. In fact, I kind of like the ending of Ghostbusters 2. I could see where they were going for, and they just didn't got the, get there completely because I think the uh, studio got their hands too much on it. God, but I completely forgot. We're getting a new Ghostbusters movie here pretty quick. Oh, God. Here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Speaking it's, of restoration. Yeah, it's... Um, it's uh, uh, Ivan Reitman's kid, who is a, a good film director in and of himself, Jason, Jason Reitman, okay. but he does dramas, like comedy dramas, like uh, Young Adult or Juno or um, uh, hmm. Thank You for Smoking or what was the Up in the Air he did with George Clooney. And to me, that is a thousand percent the wrong tone for Ghostbusters because the thing that made Ghostbusters work, in my humble estimation, is that it was irreverent and it was blue collar. Right. It sure. was, or uh, yeah, blue collar. It was, yeah. it was not taking it. It was this super weird sciencey thing that was also not taking itself seriously because Bill Murray refused to, yeah. right. If you had had, if they had put, you know, a, another it was more comic, about starting a business than it was about. Yeah, exactly. There you go. There you go. So, and, and this is the last of the petty cash. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. like, cause we're broke and completely being irreverent. And what the trailer looked like is this deep and abiding reverence for the history of the ghostbusters. And I'm like, no, that is well, not what I, I think you got to try to find a balance with that because, you know, I think too, with the, why I think the first one works better is there was a solid, solid, solid script Yes, and they stuck to it and it wasn't two hours of riffing. Which I'm sure was absolutely yeah, that was hysterical little... on the set, but when you try to cut that together, and it's not necessarily in context of the day, it's like it doesn't work. Yeah, that was a little bit of a mistake. I'm not gonna. <clears throat> so, so yeah, that. Like was I said, that... no, I don't think that the, the the recent Ghostbusters. I don't think it's the dumpster fire people seem to make it to be. But it's at the end of the day, it's like, well, 
It wasn't great, but it wasn't that good. Okay, one more future Ghostbusters thing. Have you okay. seen the picture of Muncher? Uh-uh. Muncher is going to be their new Slimer. Oh my God! <laughs> I saw a picture of that. I didn't know what it was. It's from the new Ghostbusters. It movie. looks like it's, one of those those microbe sea cow thing. You know what yeah, I'm talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's Muncher the from Ghostbusters bears. Afterlife. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it's it 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 doesn't give, doesn't give me a lot of faith for it. Well, I got to see everything in motion. See well, everything I, yeah, in context, exactly. It's what they say. It seems to me it's like a lot of times if if you're like cringing before it's better afterwards. And if you're excited and, and yeah. then you're disappointed. So it's like, well, yeah, well. I'm just like, get back to the irreverence a little bit sure. would be my goal. But sure. that being said, Ghostbusters too, even if it is a little heavy handed, even if the studio and the special effects people got in on it a little bit, even if it is just kind of a retread of what worked in the first I, one, I still don't hate it. I, I still don't hate call it. Call it a righteous swing and a miss. That's what yeah. I, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Vigo. Mm. Yep. And, yeah, especially given how hard it appears to be to give us a decent freaking Ghostbusters movie. So yeah, yeah, it shouldn't be that hard. So anyway, that's that's uh, my last. Although I understand, like that video game was actually kind of. Cool. It was. I played it, and it was exactly what I wanted out of a Ghostbusters yep. video game, complete with the voices of the original characters. I've watched a couple playthroughs yeah. on like YouTube, like it's through fun. the whole game, and it's, it's like, yeah. It's like this would have been great. I've got it on the Switch. I'll bring but it Bill over. Bill Murray next was time. being a yeah. dickhead, and uh, you know. Yeah. No. Can't imagine that. So, yeah. all right. So, those are our restoration picks. Well, we got to oh. talk about the money pit, don't we? Oh, yeah. The money pit. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Tom Hanks, Shelley Long. That was, that was the impetus for the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> that and Chad's thing. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the money pit in probably 20 years. Okay. It's been a long time. Is it any good? Does it hold up? It's been a while for me too, but I remember laughing pretty hard. <laughs> and so, like Shelley Long's kind of a uh, someone who I don't know what happened to her, but like there's there's some movies that she's in that she's really good. Yeah. I just watched uh, the Night Shift. Not yeah, that was decent. And I think she's really good in that. And then I the Cheers thing, and then I don't know what happened to her. See the early the kind of early weird Tom Hanks stuff. Never really, never really landed with me. So like the Burbs, the Money Pit, Joe versus the Volcano. Now, all of I those finally were... saw Joe versus the Volcano. I yeah, like, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, all of those. I really just, do. I haven't seen it in a long time, okay, but yeah. I remember all of those just kind of not coalescing yeah, yeah, around my was, young mind. I can get it because I think if I would have saw that when it first came out, it's like what? Is and that's this? when I saw it. When okay. it yeah, when it first came out. Okay. And uh, but like watching it now, it's like oh, I see what you're doing there. And it's like I think it, yeah, I think it's, it's really a Dante good. thing, right? It's Joe Dante. Yeah. No. Who no, did Joe versus Volcano? I'm going to look it up. If only we then. have access to the internet. <laughs> I remember a couple of the big the big hits from the Money Pit, though, like stepping through the floor and yep. just things continuing to go wrong. And for some reason, it melds with the burbs in my brain. Right. Well, it's kind of a uh, stealth remake of like Mr. Blanding's Build His Dream House. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The old Cary Grant movie, Myrna Loy, which is fantastic, by the way. So uh, that was John Patrick Shanley. I have no, oh, no idea oh, who that is. He's he's a, a playwright. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is sure. Enough. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, because here's all his plays. Okay. Neato. Lots of plays. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will be back after the guitar noise to give some recommendations, but we would love to hear your thoughts on restoration picks. I love Steph's spin on it, so if you want to take that one, we'd love to hear what you have to say. And we will be back after the guitar noise. Sweet. Bye, bye, bye.
You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Oh, God, I looked at the wrong thing. It's Richard Benjamin. Oh. <laughs> what the hell was I looking at? I don't know. And we're back, and Chad would like to issue a correction. Uh, Richard <laughs> Benjamin directed The Money Pit. Another comedian from the 70s, who I'm sure a lot of people have probably forgotten. He was in Westworld. Ooh, Westworld. He was, he was really good in Westworld. Cool. All right, well, we're going to give some quick recommendations hey. of what we've been watching, reading, listening to, paying attention to this past two weeks. I kind of checked my notes. Hey, Steph, do you have anything you want to go first on? Yeah, yeah, I do. Nope. Um, please tell me if I've already recommended this. I can't remember, but I only started watching it when I moved out here. So okay, I don't think I have. Um, uh, the Repair Shop. No, nope. I don't remember this. What, okay. what is The Repair Shop? The Repair Shop is, um, it's a obviously British TV show. Sorry. <laughs> it's a thing with me. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, what it is, is it's one of those gentle bake-off type shows but it's not a competition where um, furniture restores, paint restores, ceramic restores work at this kind of living museum in, in West Sussex. And they're experts in their fields. Like there's a clock restorer, a cabinet maker, carpenter, um, a leather worker. Anyway, people bring in their treasures, their family heirlooms, treasures and stuff um, to be restored. And there's usually about three per episode and um um there's like a like a host kind of guy who's also a furniture restorer his name is jay blades and he kind of guides the people coming in with their treasures to the right um expert and then it's it's just spends the episode talking about the piece, how they're restoring it, what sort of stuff they're using. I mean, it doesn't sound real exciting, but when you get into it, you just kind of get into this world and then you get to see how something like people have brought in old paintings that had holes, like someone punched it, you know, and huh. this woman who restores paintings fix it. You can't even see where the the hole was or anything. And it's just amazing the stuff that they can do. Um, and 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 everything and it was real popular in england and there's a a bunch of series i think of like four or five series but the third series is on netflix right now seasons one and two were taken off but that's why i got into yeah um anyway if, if you just need like a a gentle british show like bake-off that just makes you feel good and you really love yeah. the people in it the repair shop is a weird excellent choice I think that's great. We've yeah. been watching Bake Off as a as a family, mm -hmm. and we've developed an entire backstory between Paul Hollywood and uh, uh, Noel <laughs> Fielding about oh, no. they, about how they hate each other. Yeah, and like, every time the 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 uh, cameras cut, they're just like, "I hate you, oh, I hate you, Mom." <laughs> you know, and just <laughs> we've got a whole thing about how you know they need to they need to get in a car together and work out their differences. And yeah, that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to break him like a twig. Yeah. 
<laughs> just went through all of uh, the IT crowd. Oh, God. No so, it holds up so well. No why, why is he out of his room? <laughs> the, one of the best. One of, I, I've never. It, that show has like three or four just absolutely stellar moments. And one of them is when uh, Jen asks the uh, Moss and Roy and whatever Noah Fielding's character is uh, to stand normal. Richmond. <laughs> Richmond. 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 And they strike three separate poses, and each one of those poses it's is worse. just a work of art. Like, you could just paint each one of those three things they strike, and it's like everyone is doing something different and brilliant, and they're just, oh, it's the best. Uh, anyway. That show's the best. So I watched it many uh, the times. The Repair Shop. The, the Repair, repair shop. shop. Yeah, it's it's cool. a lovely little show. Okay. You care if I go next? Absolutely. Okay. So I mean, no, go ahead. Did I, did I recommend Auntie Donna to you all? Nope. No. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. I don't know what's been so I've, I've got yeah, I've got a book and a TV show. So on Netflix, there was a sketch comedy show, and I know I've shown this to you, Chad, called Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Oh yes, that was yeah. wonderful. I think I showed it to you. You did because it was like because like over the first few minutes of it, it's like, what is this? Yeah. But then it like it's like okay, yeah. I got it. I contend it's like it's like the end of Clue. I suspect. Yeah. I contend that Auntie Donna, who is a sketch comedy group out of out of Australia, and it's three dudes. Uh, the Auntie Donna is the successor to the goofy parts of Monty Python's legacy. I think they do the goofy stuff like upper class Twitter. It's of the year. very silly. Yeah, you remember it's very silly. Yeah. And if you take if you are in the mood for silly Python esque sort of stuff, Auntie Donna is not just going to scratch scratch that itch, but they've got a rabbit hole that you can fall down that is just deep and rich and fantastic. So start with Netflix, Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. You're going to know in the first 10 minutes whether or not this is for you or not. And if not, like it's not for my wife, which is fine. And it's not a, uh, uh, it's not a, it's not a defect. It's just, this isn't for everybody, but for the people who is this for, it's going to be really great. And uh, um, their stuff is really conceptual almost like at the beginning, in the first episode, uh, their dishwasher starts talking for no reason, and so they kick it out of the house, and then it keeps trying to get back in. You know, it's like stuff like Voiced that. Voiced by uh, uh, Christian Shaw. Christian Shaw, yep. Yeah, Weird Al. They they get a bunch of people in the first uh, season. Like Weird Al is in there yeah. at one point. Ed Helms goes through a whole bit where he keeps contending that his name is Egg. No, right. my name is Egg Helms. You know, it's yeah. that sort of joke. But then you fall further down the Andy Donna rabbit hole, yeah. and they put out an album, and that album has some legit amazing music on it <laughs> that also happens to be conceptual and like weird. Like there's a song called "Best Day of My Life," which is just vignettes from middle school okay. set to this complete <laughs> like upbeat banger. You know, so it's like they're sitting there and you know, dun 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 dun. Oh, I found a big stick. You know that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, um, there's one called Best Freestylers in the World, where this honest-to-God amazing it, the dude with amazing flow comes in and raps about how Andy Donna are the best freestylers in the world, and here they come, and of course they suck. You know, and they can't, <laughs> they can't rap at all. It's, it's the best. And uh, yeah, Auntie Donna is, is... I just fell down that rabbit hole, and it's great. So if that's for you, come come join the cult, my friends, because it's uh, the water's fine. <laughs> that's That's my recommendation. That sounds good. Yeah. Did you have a book too? Oh yeah, I had a book too. Okay. I just, I just, uh, I'm about done with a, a book called "The Biggest Bluff" by Maria Konnikova, and it's a story. It, it's a true story. It's a, a, you know, almost a biography type thing about how this reporter, and her name is Maria Konnikova. I was just saying that yeah. name sounds familiar, but okay. Yeah, yep. she um, 
went to investigate the world of high-end poker players, ended up becoming a high-end poker player, and winning enough money to never have to work a day again in her life. Nice. It's awesome. It's like she kind of fell down the poker rabbit hole and became and won like millions of dollars. It's fantastic. And just uh, her descriptions of how she's very, you know, about how poker, which I don't play all that well or that often, yeah. how high-level poker is like this very specific thing is just really good. So if I know, I'm like, about yeah, those to poker games we used to do, is like that's nothing. Mm, you know, that's, no. you know, that's that's a reason to hang out. These right. these people who do it professionally <laughs> are just like the the numbers they can hold in yeah. their heads and the things that they pay attention to and right. the things that you think are important in poker but really aren't like yep. like tells that's bullshit nobody cares about tells yeah. you know it, well i think tells like, is more like just like counting cards and what's showing and just like yeah. trying to keep mm-hmm. keep that all straight in your and head it's all about well, like when to bet big and yeah. how to bet big and yeah. what your strategy is for betting big and whether you have the patience and the time to pull all of it off it's right. just uh it's 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 a rich oh yeah world our stakes were very low it's like yeah. keep it friendly so it's like yeah no i could yeah. I'll say so whenever I go to the casinos, I'm like, I stick the slot machines. I'm actually, I'm too scared to try yeah. playing card games. I'm still pissed off at Lane Hickenbottom for uh, going all in that one time. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's called, it's called. Was that one bachelor party? And I was so drunk. I don't remember winning, but I, I came home and like the next day I was ordering a pizza and my wallet exploded. Like, Where did all this money come from? <laughs> yeah, you were, you were just, that was Scott Kingsley's bachelor party and you just wiped the walls with all of us and you were real happy. <laughs> apparently, do- apparently the drunker I get, the better I am at poker. You were real happy doing it too. <laughs> Who so, knew? Yeah. So, so the biggest bluff by uh, Maria Konnikova. So I'm done. Okay. Uh, me? Yes. Okay. Uh, I am slowly on, also on HBO Max, I'm slowly going through The Alienist. Oh, yeah, Which, the Caleb Carr book. The Caleb Carr. I read both good. Caleb Carr books. I really enjoyed them. And they do a pretty good job of adapting it, too. Cool. You know, um, kind of set the stage. I don't know if anybody, like, if you've seen Gangs in New York, it's sort of set in that era in New York. And it's sort of the uh, the birth of uh, profiling. Huh. And trying to trace, uh, trace a murderer through, uh, try to trace unmotivated murder. You know, and uh, and then, of course, like the background, you have the corruption of, you know, Tammany Hall police force you know and just um and just trying to just and there and um historical characters teddy roosevelt's a character and uh like a hearst is a character uh cool. J- jp morgan's a character sort of this kind of on the periphery or whatever but it's uh, an alienist who is basically a psychiatrist he's a child psychologist uh there's a newspaper reporter uh two jewish detectives and um a gal the first gal who ever worked for the, the new york city police department and they sort of team up and form a group, and they sort of solve this really hideous serial killer thing. And then, the, and then the next is like, uh, and then Angel of Darkness the sequel. I haven't watched that yet, but I, I enjoyed that too. So I will probably stick through it and get through it. Like I said I really enjoyed it. The acting's really good. Uh, Daniel Bruhl, yeah, who he, was in the Captain yeah, America, yeah, yeah, he's in it, and I Luke Evans is in it, and I like Luke Evans yeah, a lot. I like Luke Evans. He's, he's sort been of low a, key great in a bunch of he's things. He's kind of unheralded, I think, because like, he was the best part of that piece of crap beauty the beast remake he was <laughs> and uh and so yeah it's just really and uh what a gal actor why can't i remember her name now oh it doesn't matter um so yeah so that highly recommended and then also i just finished up a book called wasteland the great war and the origins of modern horror by scott Poole. Huh. and holy crap is that a good book um basically it's it's like horror and literature and art and in film and he kind of traces it all back to um, you know the trenches of the war and all the all the death really? and destruction and it starts off with this this long look at uh, Nosferatu and its impact on Germany and how 
and the and all this horror and stuff and it just and it kind of and it sort of dovetails and how it mirrors of what happened and how we got from world war one to the rise of fascism and into world war two and how they kind of use it to to do this and it's really funny because like as i was reading this as all this shit was going down in washington yeah. dc and you know the rise of fascism and all this stuff and finding an other to put the blame on and everything and it just echoes everything and it's like history just keeps repeating itself we never learn anything you know and it's like i said it's an absolutely fascinating read and i just like just like that it led me down so many rabbit holes you know he started talking about this one artist so you go to google we'll do a google search on him yeah. you start looking at the artwork he's like holy crap you know and all these like all these veterans come back and um so yeah, so there's art literature, there's like a lot of Lovecraft. He talks about Lovecraft a lot. Wow. And um, it's just it was it was a fascinating read. And highly recommend it, and I will gladly loan it to yeah, you. Yeah, loan that to me. <laughs> I want to read that right now. And so and it's really good. So yeah, so Wasteland, the Great War and the Origins of Modern Horror. He does uh, he's got a lot of evidence. He makes a solid case. Is he right or wrong? Who knows? But yeah. it's a fascinating read. So Fantastic. highly recommend it. Cool. Well, that is gonna that is going to uh, do it. But we would like to uh, do some restoration next week and have you come, <laughs> in a couple weeks and have you come back. Oh God! Okay, <laughs> and that's it. We're so, out. Thanks for listening. And if you can, if you uh, want to comment on any of our socials, we'd love to hear from you. And we will be back in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening. Bye. You've been listening to The Atomic Weight of Cheese, where cult cinema is real life and real life is frequently cult cinema. You can visit our website at theatomicweightofcheese.com, follow us on Twitter at A-W-O-C podcast, see us on Facebook at facebook.com slash atomicweightofcheese, or shoot us an email at atomicweightofcheese at gmail.com. We love your feedback.